Welcome to the Wedding Film Academy podcast, your go-to source for learning to create stunning wedding films and run a successful business. Here's your host, Lumix Luminary and wedding filmmaker, Jordan Bunch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Wedding Film Academy. We're continuing our series this week with Rob Adams, but the series is, is on pricing. This is, I think, probably the biggest question that I think so many um, wedding videographers, whether you're brand new to this or whether you've been doing it for 20 years, I think this is probably one of those topics that is the, the most uh, misunderstood and, um, and, and I think in a lot of ways, just people just feel like they have no clue what they're doing when it comes to pricing. And it's, it's also probably the scariest thing that we do because anytime you think about raising your prices, you wonder, am I good enough for this? Do I, um, do I deserve this rate? Are people going to hire me if I, if I do this? Am I going to lose all potential clients? Am I not going to be able to find any work? It's, it's one of the most scary things that we do. And so I wanted to talk to a group of people who um, from, from the outside, at least they seem to be doing this really well. And Rob is someone who has not only been doing this well for a long time, but he's also been teaching others how to do this. Well, I had Rob on before and, uh, talked about that. He was really the first person who sort of formally trained me through his creative live class. And he's been doing a ton of education on this for a long time. And so I'm super excited that we have Rob here to really just kind of pick his brain. And, and that's, if, if you don't know, like, I don't have any notes in front of me here. Uh, you know, it's, this is just kind of like me picking people's brains because, because I want to learn how to do this better. And I think coming from this place of wanting to be a learner myself I can give that experience to you as well. And so that's what we're going to do here today. So thanks for coming on, Rob. Hey, great to be here. Thanks so much. Yeah. Rob, just uh, we, we kind of had an introduction um, to you before, just, just a few weeks ago. But just for those who, who missed that episode, just kind of give me a, a big picture of what you're doing business-wise right now. Yeah, so it, it it it's always changing what I'm doing in business because you can't just stick with one business model for 20 years and have it continuously work. At least that hasn't worked for me. Um, I know companies, um, I know of companies that do have a similar model to what they were doing a long time ago, but they've had to adapt because the industry has changed so vastly over even just the last not even 10 years. So what am I doing right now is the, is the, is the question. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, you know, I'm always feeling out my market. I'm always trying to determine what it is my clients want. And there's certain things that change. And then there's certain things that don't change, but it's all affected by variables based on what other people in my market are doing. It's really very fluid. Um, if, mm -hmm. if a new videographer pops up, and has been around and, and begins to establish themselves and they're offering one thing and they're competing directly with me and we're in a market that's very saturated so we get a lot of that. Um, you know, That person might be offering something that at that particular time is more attractive than maybe what I'm offering. For example, five years ago, everybody wanted a 20 minute feature film. Okay, I mean, it was because maybe it was because I was one of the first to roll that out and start doing them, and then people were seeing them, and then they wanted them because yeah. you know how weddings are. You know, sisters' friends sees sisters' video wants sisters' video. Yeah, sisters' sisters' friend sees sisters' friends' video wants sisters. So you get all this kind of rolling effect, um, and and over time, a lot of videographers, for whatever reason, whether it was being taught by somebody else in the industry or it was becoming more popular to offer this, started offering much shorter 
creative films. Mm -hmm. And it's very weird how this all works. And I could talk for hours on it because in the very beginning, before we started doing cinematic style with DSLRs, you did long form. So you did a whole ceremony, a whole reception, and then maybe you had like a bride's prep creative part. And then maybe you had a photo session or a, what they called a holy recap at the end of the ceremony creative part that led into another documentary part. And you had a two and a half hour long video with these moments of creativity. Then it went to like the highlights format where you had highlights that were four to five minutes long and then the entire video. And right. then we went to short form, which was like anywhere between based on your particular style, uh, three minutes all the way up to 20 or 30 minutes of creative editing. Um, so you can imagine how the price fluctuations just are all over the map. Um, so we're always battling that. What do people want right now? What do people want to spend for right now? What I'm finding in my market right now is that people are looking for films that range between 8 to 13 minutes. That seems to be the, the sweet spot that I can charge, um, you know, and based on the quality of the work, you know, a very high price. Just depending, you know, now you got to remember I'm in the New York City, Philadelphia, New Jersey market. This right. is the number one wedding market in the United States. People spend more money on weddings per capita here in this demographic than they do anywhere else, including Southern California. Okay, so we are in the area of weddings. There's over 60, what is it, like 60,000 weddings a year in this little pocket of like, you know, 100 miles. Um, so there's a tremendous amount of work and there's a lot of videographers and, and photo photographers offering video trying to capitalize on it. And the prices range from 1500, probably even less. I would say you could probably find a wedding video around here for less than 1500 bucks all the way up to 15, 20,000 to start, okay? I've put myself somewhere right around the three quarter mark there. I start at around, I you can get in with me to cover the day for 5,600, okay? But that's gonna get you really nothing. That's gonna get you coverage and I'll throw a little promo teaser out there. This is meant for the bride that knows they wanna book me, but they don't know what they want for their final product yet. They just don't wanna lose out on not having us capture the day. So that just covers my cost of coming out to shoot the day. That's it. And it's only two cameras and it's eight hours. That's what you get. They have the ability to upgrade from that point on anywhere along the line and they can jump up to the, another package. My average bride pre-wedding invests 8,000. Okay. And then from there, we upsell the hell out of them after the wedding. Yeah. All right. So for 8,000, they're going to get, you know, an 11 to 13 minute film. They're going to get aerial footage. They're going to get, you know, it doesn't include rehearsal dinner. It's just a single day, single day. Um, and then after the wedding, we'll try to upgrade them to a 15 minute film. What we'll do add ons in increments of one minute to their creative film, add one minute, add three minutes, add five minutes, add seven minutes. I'll go up to 20 minutes. I don't mind doing a 20 minute creative film. If somebody's paying me 12, $13,000 to do it. Right. So, um, and again, that's all after cost of sales have been removed. I'm editing my own work. So I, you know, I'm doing 20 weddings a year. So I don't need to incur more cost in order to upgrade. That upgrade is pure profit. Yeah. Um, so that, that's where we really try to make the money. So we've tried to position ourselves in this area where the work is good. Brides notice that the work is good. Is it any, is it widely different than the guy who's charging six for a similar package? Probably not. I mean, I think my work is good. I wouldn't say I'm doing anything crazy different. I just know how to produce consistency, right? which is the key in this business. If you produce consistent work, you're going to be able to sell it and you, the brides will keep coming. That's, yeah. the, that's the secret to this business is be consistent. If you're all over the map and, you're, and your quality and customer service and your delivery times are all over the map, you're going to find variations in, in how you're, you know, and what brides are going to book you. Um, so basically that's where I've tried to be at all times. Now, who knows in three months, you know, I might get the sense just based on what other videographers are doing, um, that, you know, people want something shorter. Maybe they're only looking for four or five minutes and then I'll adjust my prices accordingly. Yep. Talk to me about like the evolution of things, because you talked about it at the beginning there about how you know things have evolved for you in a lot of ways and and they involve in the industry as a whole you know from from that long form you know two and a half hour to now eight to 13 minutes um in your market and i think this does vary from market to market and this is part of the reason why with each of these topics that we're covering 
I'm giving you a multitude of voices because we have people in different markets, but also people with different strategies who are being successful with different strategies. This is not a one size fits all kind of thing. This is, uh, you know, giving you a multitude of ways to go about this. And, but I really appreciate the way that Rob's doing this. Um, he sent me his, his pricing guide. And so I kind of have a, a good general uh, idea of what things look like, but I want to walk you through some of that as well. But, but first talk to me about kind of the evolution of things in terms of how, how pricing has changed based on what you're doing creatively on the actual wedding day, but also, you know, in, in particular the edit, because the edit's a, a huge difference from creating two and a half hour, mostly doc, edit to, you know, if you're doing a 13, even a 20 minute, um, you know, creative short film, a lot of times that's a lot more involved, um, mm -hmm. than even the two and a half hour film because, sure. you know, you're making quick cuts and, and making, um, decisive decisions about, you know, what audio moments you're using and all that kind of thing. Um, so talk to me about how pricing and that structure has changed as your films have evolved to meet the the market that you have well just to address your first part about how it's not a one-size-fits-all kind of model for every market one of the best business models i've seen out there to this day is joe Schweitzer from Schweitzer film he flies all over the country all over the world for that matter he charges a flat fee uh, for the most part and he does everybody gets the same product they get a very short three to five minute highlights and I don't think he offers anything else. And they're very music heavy. There's not a lot of audio. They're very emotional. They're upbeat. They're up tempo. And he knocks these things out. I think he has them edited very shortly after, if not while they're still on location a lot of times. And they're not same day edits. I'm talking like a full edit right? Um, before, they, before they jet out. Um, this is from what I understand. I think that's an amazing business model because it just it's just in and out, get it done, move on to the next one. And you can just crank those out for as long as you feel like you can handle the workload. Yeah. Um, and as long as you want to be on the road, I think that's an awesome model. To get to your second part and basically how I structure the workload to fit the pricing. Um, it's very challenging because I've realized, I realized probably a little too late when I was delivering 20 minute films consistently, like that was my main, I was trying to sell everybody a 20 minute film, was that they took a long time to edit. And there was a lot of, I mean, we were able to do it consistently after a while, but it, it took a lot of work because some weddings didn't give you 20 minutes worth of material. Now I get to choose which brides I want to upsell because I know that the material will fit well. That makes sense. So now what we've done is basically formulized our films. They're not cookie cutter. Everyone is unique because we're telling a unique story because we know how to manipulate the audio bites and make everything flow. And we don't time shift every video the same way. And But they are structured. You know, I know that in a 13 minute film, I'm going to use four songs. Heck, I might have 30 songs that I might reuse over and over again yeah. because I know which are good for different scenarios and different situations. And also based on what the bride tells me, bride likes slow and sappy. I know what songs are my go-to songs for slow and sappy. It goes back to what we talked about on the last episode, uh, last time I was on about knowing your clients a little bit ahead of time by interviewing them and getting to know what they like musically and their style and what they expect. So we've, you know, having that knowledge allows us to formalize that edit. I can knock out once, I'll tell you what, the longest part of my edits is sitting down and organizing everything. Mm. It takes me a day, maybe a day and a half to sit, organize all my footage, keyword tag it, and then go through and favorite all my best shots. Okay, and the party, the dancing, like people dancing, that's that takes the longest to go through and favorite all the best shots because we're rolling continuously on a lot of that. Right. Um, so once I've got that done, I can sit down and knock out an eleven to thirteen minute edit in a day and a half. Uh, and it, you know, at quality, you know, not right. rushing through, slapping it together. I mean, at quality. Then I'll spend another half day on audio, another half day on color grade, and then it's done. Um, and then if there's doc edits, we farm those out. Um, so anybody can do doc edits. I'm not going to sit there and waste half my day doing doc edits. Send that out, let it get done. And this way, when I'm done with the feature, we, you know, so we've created this workflow, this process that works every time. Um, and I can fit anybody's wedding, no matter, even if it was just two cameras for eight hours and they want to upgrade after the fact to a 10 minute film, I can make a 10 minute film out of that. 
there's, there's no doubt in my mind. Um, even the worst wedding, I can make a 10 minute film. Um, and then you also have to remember that brides, even though they love your work and they see the best work that you can do, because that's what you put forward, you put your best foot forward, they're still going to love the job, even if it's not up to the exact same par that you do all the time, because it's their day. It's their, they're seeing themselves in the context of your creativity on the screen in front of them in beautiful, you know, beautiful HD with, you know, shot nicely, you know, they're going to be emotionally connected from the very beginning before it even starts rolling. They're emotionally connected. So, you know, you don't have to reinvent the wheel and reinvent your process and try to, you don't try, never try to, if you want to lose money in this business, try to one up yourself every wedding. You're going to lose money yeah. because we did that for a long time and we lost money. Like every, every wedding we went out, we're going to try something new. Let's bring in the jib. Uh, let, right. let, let's try this. Let's try And we, we try to innovate every wedding. And then what we found is we had problems with the innovation every time. And not only did it affect that, it affected the rest of the day because our mind wasn't where it should have been. Right. So once we had a, a consistent system laid down where we could, you know, nail a job slowly, like right now I'm trying to transition out from my Ronin to a handheld gimbal. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to just jump and do it. I'm going to bring the handheld gimbal on a job with my Ronin. And then when I feel like it's appropriate to use it, I will, and I'll try it out. I'm not going to just make a switch. Because yep. if I get back in the edit and I realize all my, all my steady, you know, what, what are supposed to be my steady cam shots suck, that's right. going to affect my edit. Yep. Um, so yeah, that's how we approach it. And from a pricing standpoint, my brides know what to expect because we've managed that expectation up front. They know consistency because we deliver consistency. What they saw when I sent them final product links before their wedding, it's going to look like that, if not better, because you do improve over time. Yep. And then the upgrade factor, where if I feel like a wedding, like we nailed it, I'll make a note after the wedding. We crushed this because by the time I look at the footage two, three months later, you know, I want to remember, you know, before I go through everything, was this a crushed wedding? Great. Let's upsell her. You know, let's, and I upsell, you know, I'll, I'll offer upsells right after the wedding for, for impulse brides that want to make an impulse decision, yeah. but I'll also up upgrade them. I'll offer the upgrades right before we edit. Hey, Kristen and Nick, I'm about to edit your wedding. Um, going through it once again, we have amazing stuff. Um, I know I had presented these options to you before, but I wanted to give you one last chance before we start editing. Cause once we start editing, what you bought is what you get. Yeah. And a lot of times we convert probably like 20 to 30% of the time, we'll convert to an upgrade right before we edit. Really? Talk to me about this, this upselling after the fact, because I think most people, if they're going to upsell, it usually happens in that first meeting where they're face-to-face -face or on the phone or FaceTime or whatever. The upsell happens that first meeting. I've started doing more where I'm also upselling them in follow-up meetings where we're having some you know, pre-production conversations and things like that. And, you know, I'm taking them to dinner um, or they're coming to my office or something. And, and then I'll upsell them at that point, but it's still before the wedding. Um, so this idea of upselling them after the wedding, I always kind of assumed that that was regulated to, you know, basically to photographers, you know, they can upsell all the prints and the, the albums and you know, the discs and whatever else um, they have to offer. Talk to me about what you're doing for both the impulse brides and then uh, also right before the edit. I thought the same thing uh, that you did, that upsells were relegated only to photographers until my wife, who was a photographer, said, are you an idiot? She's <laughs> like, do you have any idea of the upsell potential that you have? I'm like, no. She's like, trust me, you can upsell so much crap. There's stuff that she thinks I should still upsell, but I won't because I just feel like it's, it's kind of douchey. Um, so, and I'll get to that in a minute. So basically yeah. the way we upsell is this, well, and, and part of the reason I upsell is cause I've had to adjust my pricing to compete in a more saturated market. I mean, there's a lot of guys, there's guys out there that are going to undercut me at every turn. I mean, there's a guy, there's guys out there that are charging that do good work that I would, I would consider very good work and they're charging so little for it. They're charging in this market, they're charging five grand for a 15 minute feature and docs and three cameras and aerial. And I'm like, are you out of your mind? I want to like, mm. and I've even reached out to some of them and I've said, you know, listen, you really need to raise your prices because you're affecting the whole market. I mean, you, first of all, you could be doing less weddings and making more money. Doesn't that make sense? Or do you yeah. like busting your ass doing 60 weddings a year? I've had um, conversations and, like that as well with, 
you know, people who I'm friends with, but they're in the market. I'm like, dude, you're way better than this, you know? Exactly. Yeah. And it's important that we do that to each other because it keeps the level of quality and it keeps the level of the, the industry up. I mean, yep. I, but it's bad around here because you get companies that come in and they're just starting out and they're young guys and they come over from like the Philippines or whatever and they start a business and they're, and, to them, twenty five hundred is a huge amount of money U.S. and U.S. dollars. Right. So they're charging that, thinking, "Oh my God, you know, the three of us can live off of this." No, trust me. You do that for more than a year and a half, you're going to find yourself out of business because you're just—I mean, which is fine, but it still affects me. I don't care if they go out of business; it still affects me because the brides are going, "Hey, your work is good. Why is this guy forty five hundred and you're eight thousand? Yeah. And I go, "Well," and and then my response to that is, "Well." We've been doing it for 20 years, number one. And number two, I teach a lot of these guys. So they're learning a lot of this stuff from me. And I use that as a leverage tool. Um, or I'll say, um, you know, you, you look, at, look at final products. Don't just judge it based on what you see online. Ask to see, continue. Ask to see final products. Say, I want to see your last five weddings that you've edited, the final products, not your teasers, not your what you put online. I tell brides, go back and ask them. I want to see the final products from the last five weddings. Yeah. And if a videographer is not willing to show that or they're hesitant about it, don't hire them. Yeah. So I'm aggressive in that. But I've had to do that because the market is really tough around here. And I get people flat out going, uh, oh, don't book Rob Adams. He's overpriced. You know, and that's just not good. That's just not good business. So in order to combat that, what I've done is I've lowered my base price and then I rely on upsells. Yeah. to get me to the price point that I want to be at. So my, my starting points that you see on that pricing list, it's like, that's not really where I want to be. I want to be about 40 to 50% higher than that. Yeah. That's my goal. So what I'm doing is I start with the base price. I sell that to them just to get them in the door. Once I have them in the door, my chance of upselling them it increases, you know, 100% because they're booked. Um, now, so when they book, just a clarifying question there, when they book, are they always booking at 5,600 to start? They're always no 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 no. They're they're booking one of three options. There's okay. three collections, uh, and the prices change. We change it probably yearly. Right now, I think the top collection is close to eight. You know, so that would give you. You know, that's kind of like where I want my average bride to be. But that is my top entry point. And then there's a sixty-seven hundred, and then I think a fifty-six hundred option to get in. Um, and they, they there's slight variations with pull throughs to kind of get you up to the next package, whether it's aerial footage or dock edits or a trailer. And those, those, so the base that they can come in at with the most options would be an 11 to 13 minute film with a two to three minute trailer with aerial footage and dock edits. Okay, that's like the most they can get in the door, walking in. Now afterwards, and so before the wedding, I don't really try to upsell them before the wedding because a lot of times they're going to say to me, "Oh no, we've kind of already picked our." You know, we're good. We're good for now. Anytime I've tried to kind of upsell beforehand, they're like, no, 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 we're good. It's after the wedding when they open those envelopes and they realize they got more money back on the wedding than they expected they would. And a lot of times I'm dealing with high-end brides who get a lot of money and get a lot of envelopes. Um, it reminds me of that scene in Goodfellas where they keep just walking up and you got that huge line of people and they're just walking up to them, handing them envelopes. So you get those yeah. big Italian weddings up here and it's kind of like that. Yeah. Um, so afterwards, they're more apt to want to spend money. So immediately after the wedding, you know, we have a, an email, automated email workflow through 17 Hats, which is my CMS. So um, good. I love I it. I love it. It's great. And they're, I use their ally service. So they're, I, they, they handle my business. That's like awesome. I have an account representative. I've got you know, you know, a bookkeeper. They do everything for me. I, I only have to do the meetings. That's all I have to do. It's wonderful. Yeah, it costs a lot of money, but it's worth it. I did an interview with the CEO and the VP and we're going to put that on in a few weeks. So they're awesome. I can attest to the ally service. It's, it's, it takes a while to get everybody up to speed and we can talk about this separately if you want. Maybe yeah. we'll talk about it on my podcast too. Um, but you, it takes a while to get up to speed, but once you do, holy cow, it's like right now I have them booking my, they're handling my leads and booking my job, my, my, uh, consultations right now. So I step in, I sell, I walk out. That's it. Awesome. Um, so basically, the, um, the idea with the upsells is right after the wedding. So right after the wedding, when emotions are high and they're happy and they love working with us and they're just thrilled, they can't wait to see something, um, we aim to get out some sort of a 90-second teaser right around that time. It doesn't always work out because, you know, backlog, it does happen. Um, we try to get a little something out right after the wedding that gets their emotions high. But a lot of times, just the email itself saying, you know, and, and this goes out with my approval. It's automated, but I do... If I feel like a wedding wasn't good or the couple was just like, eh, or the story wasn't, eh, you know, it was just kind of, 
and they booked a 13 minute film, I'm not going to try to upgrade them. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, weddings that are, I feel were average or above average, I'm going to, I'm going to give them the option to add minutes. Oops. I'm going to give them the option to add minutes, either one, three, five or seven. Okay. Or they're going to get the option to add doc edits if they didn't have them before. Or they can add a trailer if they didn't have it before. If they didn't have DVDs or Blu-rays, they can add those if they want to. Everybody gets MediaZilla delivery by default. I don't understand the charging for MediaZilla. Hmm. Like I know guys that are charging for me. Shouldn't that be the standard option at this point? If yeah. you're putting DVDs and Blu-rays as your standard option, I'm going to kick your ass every time <laughs> if you come up to me with that because I'm going to hand the bride MediaZilla for free um, because why not? It's making my process so much easier on the back yeah. end. So, you know, that's included, but if they want DVDs and Blu-rays, which I'm finding nobody wants. Yeah, that, that's the same way. I, I've, I've taken that completely off of my offerings. If they like, and they have to basically like twist my arm for me to yeah. make them a DVD. Cause I'm like, I made your mm -hmm. film, you upgraded to 4K and now you want me to deliver it in 480? No thanks. You know? Right. Yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, that could be a really look, good looking DVD in code. Um, you know, but I offer it, it's on the price menu, but I don't push it. And 4k is another thing I do offer, but that's gotta be pre-wedding. That's one of the few pre-wedding upgrades they have to do beforehand, obviously. Um, but after the wedding, I hit them once, you know, right after. And then, like I said, once right before I edit and I have a great amount of success with the upgrades, um, to the point where last year I increased our total gross by, I think 44% awesome, in upgrades. Nice. So, I mean, if you look at the, the you know, 20 weddings with an average price of, you know, eight and then with an upgrade, you know, getting in around like 10 because the upgrades aren't cheap, you know, I'm for an extra minute of creative video, I'm charging a thousand dollars. Okay. And then it's kind of scaled just, and I'm, sometimes we'll adjust it just based on, you know, looking at the metrics and who's buying it. Yeah. Um, but you can get, you know, for five extra minutes of creative film to take your 13 to an 18 and we'll give them 20 just because it's at that point you might as well, it's easy right. to do. Yep. And then they're really happy and they're raving about you afterwards. Um, you know, that's going to be, uh, what are we charging now for an extra five minutes? I think it's somewhere in the neighborhood of almost, it's like 2,800 or 3000. Yeah. You know, so that's a good, I mean, that's profit. That's for me spending an extra day doing some extra editing work and a little bit of more color grade. Uh, it's really not a big deal. Um, so there's a huge opportunity there for you to upsell. Um, but, you know, unfortunately in our business, so much relies on what happens before the wedding and leading up to and then the wedding day itself that your upgrade options afterwards need to be in post-production, clearly, yeah. you know. So I have, I have a wedding I'm thinking about right now that I just filmed. And it's one of these where I just have a ton of gold. You know, I mean, like we mm -hmm. did, a, you know, a, a three day shoot and, you know, I, I just have gold around every corner and I'm like, okay, you know, I told them the film's going to be around 10 minutes, but man, I could do way more with this if I had a little bit more time. So tell me like, what does that look like for you after the fact of saying, you know, oh my God, this is amazing. Like, you know we want to be able to do more with this, but our hands are tied by this limitation. You know, what, what does that look like for you in selling that? So the first, the first thing that you have to consider is even, even though you have a ton of, and this would be good advice for you, I think, um, in this situation, even though you might have a ton of gold, don't overexert yourself. I would rather use the cream of the cream of the crop of all yeah. of that gold than try to take everything that I've got and make it into something really long. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I would just say, hey, maybe 10 minutes, maybe 12 would be better. Maybe yeah. 13. And then for that extra three minutes, you can charge $3,000 if you really wanted to do that. Yeah. Um, I, depending on if your market will support it or you got to feel it out. Are they, are they, are they willing to do that? If, are, you know, did I hype that this up so much that they're willing to spend? What do I think they're willing to spend yeah. for that? But I wouldn't try to make that. A, I wouldn't double the, the length of the film because you think you have double the amount of good material. Again, that's just going to make your job tedious and hard. Um, but if you've got gold, you, you know you've got an extra two or three minutes of amazing stuff. That's where I start to think about it. Like rehearsal dinners, for example. Yeah. Um, I know from rehearsal dinner footage, I can make an extra two or three minutes onto a film on the context of a, uh, adding on to the context of a 10 to 13 minute film. Um, but, you know, 
that's a whole other day. I got to go shoot. You know, I got to go out there. I got to, I got to set up. I'm, I've gotten over the whole pre-shoot, post-shoot thing. Um, I used to upsell them. They just turned out to be a lot more than they were worth because the time I was putting in to go and maybe bring an assistant and bring all my gear and set everything up and then shoot and then come back and then back everything up again. And then when I open the edit, I've got more crap that I've got to sort through. And I mean, it was, it's cool because you can make an awesome film from it. Right. The only time I do de um, rehearsal dinner or post uh, wedding shoots now is destination weddings. Hmm. And I use it as a tool to book the destination wedding rather yeah. than an upsell because um, you know brides are shopping around for price a lot of times. They're not going to want to spend a huge amount of money for pre and post. So I'll say, look, I'll give you pre and post because you're flying me out there. I'm going to be there. I'm going to have my gear with me. We're going to be in the same place. Yeah. That's fine. I can do that for you. You know, I'm going to come in the day before anyway. I don't want to get there the day of your wedding. So I'll use that as a tool there. But my upgrades are purely based on what we capture the day of the wedding. Love stories, don't do them anymore. Too much work. Bride wants too much control. Yeah. Those things used to drive me nuts because you, I could, I could charge $3,500 to do a beautiful like four or five minute love story that gets played at the reception. And they always came out great. I loved them. But dude, they took so much time to produce and then the preconception and then they wanted to make changes because it's going to be showed at the wedding and then you got to deal with the DJ and how you're going to screen it. Hmm. Screw that. Same thing with same day. So you would make a lot of money, but it wasn't worth the time and the hassle. I'd rather use that time doing other things, working on other revenue streams because wedding films are not my only revenue stream. Right. You know, and that that's that's why I've built the business the way I have. It's not the only thing I do. Right. Um, so you know, in terms of upgrades, you really want to make sure that what you're doing makes sense. It's not overexerting you, but the profit margin is high for what you're doing. So you're not doing 50 hours of work for an extra thousand dollars. You want to be doing five hours of work for an extra thousand dollars. Yeah. You got to think of it in terms of profitability. It's a business thing. I know we're all artists and we get sensitive about, oh, I don't want to sell out. Sell out. You'll thank yourself later when you can retire on this business or sell it. Yeah. Um, not, you know, don't be a starving artist. Don't sacrifice yourself to that lifestyle. Um, you know, it's great to be an artist and if we can produce beautiful wedding films, but at the end of the day, remember this, you're a wedding videographer, okay? Uh, you know, it's a business and we're doing great work and we're doing amazing things with the art and we can make brides very happy, but you're a business person too. And if you don't look at it that way, you're going to find yourself unhappy. Yeah. And you're also, you're also a human being and age takes a toll on you when you're doing something that is, you know, as exerting as, you know, filming a wedding, which, you know, if you're doing it right, it's exhausting, you know, and you got to think, it kills me. It, do I want to be doing this still when I'm 60 years old? Um, or do I want to, you know, have, have built up enough that I can, you know, I can take a rest and maybe do something else or, or just chill. This is why you see a lot of uh, wedding guys get out of the business and into corporate because corporate, the earning potential is higher. Um, the creativity level is more flexible. Uh, it's more variable. Uh, there's more, um, more situations to kind of get into. And we're doing that to a certain extent. I mean, I'm 42. I'll be 42 in August. I don't want to be doing this when I'm 50. Yeah. I don't even want to be doing it when I'm 45. I'll be honest with you. Been doing this 20 years, been doing it a long time. So it's, you know, I, I love what I do. I don't want to, I think as long as I'm teaching, I should be shooting. That's one thing I do believe. Absolutely. So I will never produce education having not being actively doing it. Um, you know, that that's one, that's one uh, like ethical thing that I think is important. Because um, things evolve so much, like you said. And it changes so much. I mean, you sit out a year, you miss a lot. Yeah. You know, if I, if I were to sit out a season and then come back in 2020 and try to teach, I'm not teaching current material. Right. I could teach principles and techniques and editing and storytelling. Those, those things are kind of timeless and unaffected. But for the most part, technology and the way it's applied changes constantly. Yeah. So, you know, that's sort of, but, you know, I mean, I, I, I want to make money in this business, but I, you know, you're never going to be a millionaire making wedding films. It's right. just not in the cards for us. So you got to find that balance between being happy with your creative work, stimulating yourself creatively, making money, supporting a family if you have one. Or if, the best thing, I w I'll tell you what, I love my family, but if I was making what I'm making now and being a single guy, if I was back 25 you know, again and doing what I'm doing now, holy cow, what a great lifestyle. Yeah. You, you know, seriously, so if you're young, if you're 20, in your 20s, late 20s, early 30s, and you're single 
and maybe you don't have a, uh, a significant other, or if you, even if you do, what an amazing lifestyle of freedom to have this kind of earning potential if you're doing it the right way and upselling and really taking, looking at it as a business and not an art form. Yeah. It's both. And, and the alternative for the person who you're describing, and I have friends like this, is you know, 50, 60 weddings a year for you know, very little money so that they can make ends meet with it, even though they're doing quality work. And, you know, then, you know, you chose, you chose this chaos lifestyle over this fantastic lifestyle you described, you know, because, because you didn't think about how to run your business successfully. You're just thinking about how to make ends meet mm -hmm. making wedding videos, you know? Yeah, there's a trap that we tend to fall into and I did it. I did it as well in 2008 when DSLR, Revolutionize the industry. I went all out. I said, I'm all in with this. We're gonna we're gonna finally do what I've always wanted to do. And I put the art in front of the business and we lost money that year. Uh, I don't say we we made money, but it was a losing year because the time that I spent to make that money wasn't worth it. Right. Um, so that's a loss in my book. Right. And now, you know, I've got a family, you know, I've got a child, and I want to spend time with my daughter. I don't want to be shooting 60, 70, I don't want to be shooting 30 weddings a year. I just turned down three weddings because I reached my cap for 2017. Done. 20 weddings. That's it. And yeah. a few a few more than I would like or destination. Um, so you, you know, it, it, it's wonderful, but you have to decide up front before you even book your next jobs. How many do I want to do? Where's my limit? Because I know guys that have just gone nuts. They're 60, 60 jobs a year and they're exhausted and they're making really good money. Don't, I mean, they're making really good money. Right. Um, but they're all they do. It's all they do. And they don't have weekends. Then they don't, don't have a social life for the most part. You might as well work in a kitchen. It's kitchen yeah. hours, you know? <laughs> yep. So you mentioned this earlier when you're talking about your wife and upselling and um, I think this is a struggle that a lot of people have is getting over this barrier of feeling douchey when they're upselling or even when they're just raising their prices, you know, they feel like, you know, whatever the number is for them, that's the wall. Everybody has, I think a wall that they're like, Oh, I can never get past that wall, whether it's $2,000 or $20,000, everybody has a wall and it's at some place. So Talk to me about what you've done to feel like you can get over that feeling of I'm being <laughs> douchey or I'm taking too much money from them or I'm asking too much. What is it that you've done to get past that? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how. Um, my wife, who is a very, has a very successful photography business, she um, has very little to do post-production because she's outsourced all of it and she literally shoots her wedding days. She's even taking engagement sessions out as a giveaway option. Um, she shoots the wedding day and then she's done for the most part. I mean, she edits the one she wants the day of the wedding. She gives a little preview, but then she's done. The job is done. She makes charges more than I do. Uh, she does the same amount of weddings. She earns more than my company does and she built it up in about half the time. So she knows what she's talking about uh, and she studied marketing and she's very good at marketing and advertising and she's very good with reading, reading clients and knowing how to sell and she's the one who helped to guide me in my business um, even though my business was twice the age of hers. She gave me the single most valuable piece of advice that I've ever heard and I was, it, this was several years ago but she said to me, every time somebody books your top package, raise your prices. Yeah, that's great advice. And it sounds silly, but it doesn't have to be, and it doesn't have to be by much. It doesn't have to be a thousand dollars, even if it's two hundred bucks or a hundred dollars or fifty bucks. Let's say you want to start bringing an assistant along, and that assistant's going to cost you seventy-five dollars, but it would make your life so much easier. Mm. Raise your prices by a hundred bucks. It's yeah. going to cover that person, and you can buy them lunch. Okay, uh, you know, and that's going to make different a difference not only in your production because now you've got more help which leads to more opportunities to do better things but you're slowly reach you're, you're breaking this glass ceiling of being able to raise your prices and I'll tell you what the first year I implemented that I had to raise my prices four times because people kept booking the top package now again you have to fulfill the prereqs consistency quality delivery you have to be meeting those things because nobody's going to book you, period, or let alone your top package if you're not 
right. giving them confidence in you. But once you've established that, every time somebody books that top tier package, raise your prices and keep your packages simple. I used to offer five collections. And by the time I was done explaining it, the bride's eyes were just, they were just, she worked out, she was out. Yeah. Um, you know, so we just simplified everything, made it real clean. You ever watch Gordon Ramsay's Kitchen Nightmares? Uh, I've seen like one or two episodes. He, so he would go into restaurants, and these there'd be you know they'd be fairly successful restaurants, but they've got this huge menu, right? And he'd be like, "What is this?" You know, and then by the end they had like ten items on the menu, right? That's what we did. We just chose the best things that we can do, and that's what we offer in packages that we know are. Uh, successful and, and and targeting what brides want based on market analytics and just you know and sometimes market analytics I know that get, that tends to scare people when you say things like that but that just means go back and look at your booking trends what were you offering when and for how much and did they book hmm. right if you can go back and you, you have a good system like 17 hats or Tabe you can go back and look at those booking trends and and it'll tell you where your money spiked and where and then you know you're off season and you know where you get lulls and you know and just learn to roadmap, you know, look, read the map that's in front of you or behind you. And then, then price, you know, you structure your prices accordingly. But that's how you do it. That's how you raise those prices. You have to get to a certain point where, um, you know, you need to advance. If you're charging, if your top package is the same price as it was two seasons ago, you're stale. Hmm. You're stale. Um, and you might be, and especially you'll know if you're, if you're hitting your quota constantly, Let's say you want, you want to do 30 weddings a year. If you're booking 30 weddings a year, no problem. Like if you come to March, let's say it's, you know, it's 2017. We're in April, right? April. Um, I always try to aim to hit my target for that current year in May, May 1st. That's the cutoff. I want to have my, my, my year, that current year booked out May 1st. Okay. If I book that out, in December of the previous year, I'm booked solid for the next year. Your prices are too damn low. Because hmm. yep. remember, when you're taking deposits, that's rolling income. That's not income. You're you're not looking for that income to come in the, the previous year. You want that income to come in and count towards next year, right? So I'm looking to take as many deposits as I can from January 1st to May 1st. That's the that's the Wall Street bell ring. That's the time right there. Yep, that's when sure. I want to take as much uh, uh, deposit income. Um, so if you're booking, booking out and hitting your quota too early, you need to raise your prices because people will still book you. It just won't be as frequent and it won't be as fast, but you will hit that target because obviously you have something people want right? and your price is just, that's how you kind of balance whether your price is too low versus your quality of work being high right. and then trying to even that out. Aim for May 1st. If you, if you can hit your target by May 1st and, and if it goes past May 1st, don't panic. Um, there have been years where I haven't hit my quota till like midsummer, right. you know, and, I, and you get that influx of last minute jobs that come in sometimes, you know, that's how, that's how we apply. That's the method we apply every year to make sure that we're price versus quality even on yeah. the scale. Yeah. Awesome. So talk to me again, though. I want to go back to, to the upsell specifically. So I kind of heard your answer on, you know, Moving prices up to make sure you know that. You're Did I totally just disregard the upsell part? Of that the question. Upsell part. That's what we're looking for. <laughs> but, Sorry but about that, that. No, what you said was super helpful, and I think that a lot of people they look at their prices and they have been the same for two, three, five, ten years. Yeah. And so I think that's super helpful. But I also want to hear the answer to. Yeah. Because so, because people feel like they're used car salesmen or something if they try to sell somebody something extra so don't don't that. yeah so basically you, you know you're playing on their emotions you, you like a salesperson does um you know and and you don't have to be sleazy like a used car salesman i think used car salesmen are sleazy in general just because it, it's not so much that they're selling you the car that you want it's when you get down to the money when you get down to the financing they've got so many little tricks in there that yeah. confuse you or designed to confuse you ever go buy a car and you sit down and you're like no, no. Oh, go in there and ask them to itemize everything for you and they won't do it yeah They'll, 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 they'll put it in clumps of numbers and try to confuse you so they can bury costs. Um, what we try to do is be very plain and direct with them when it comes to upsells. Your wedding was awesome. You have a 10-minute film right now. I'm to, and sometimes I'll say it in conversation, not even salesy. I'll just you know, follow up with them after the wedding. 
Um, we first send them an email and then a lot of times they want to get in a dialogue about it. Well, we, 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 these, these look interesting to us. Can we talk to Rob about the upsells? Sure. Let's schedule a call, get on a call. And I just say to him, man, your wedding was awesome. We have so much footage. Like, like I, I could probably make like a 30 minute film out of your wedding if I wanted to, you know, <laughs> but in all seriousness, like, you know, if, if you guys were looking to extend it, if you wanted something a little bit more than 10, I'm confident. And I don't do this for every wedding. And I tell them that I don't do this for every wedding and I don't. Um, that we can make like a 15 minute film for you. That would be absolutely kick ass. Well, what's the price for a 15 minute film? It's going to be another $5,000, you know, or something to that effect. Okay. Well, that's, you know, I'm not looking to spend that much. Well, what if we did like a 12 minute film? Yeah. What if we just increase it by like another two minutes and it doesn't seem like a lot, but let me send you some examples of 12, 12 minute films. Cause up to this point I've sent them examples of everything. So they've seen, you know, prior to the wedding, when we were in the sales phase, they've seen the final products, a ton of them because I'm, I like to show final products. So I'll go back and say, hey, here's a 12 to 13 minute film. Take a look at that. Tell me if you think you'd like that. Yep. That's how I do it. Um, so it's not like, an, I'm not looking for an immediate response to that automated email. It's just that that's meant to just introduce them to the idea. I want to get them on a call and I want to explain why an upgrade is cool. Um, and then they'll say to me a lot of times, they'll be like, um, yeah, so the digital link is cool, like, um, but what if I want to give these files to somebody? Can I just download them and put them on a hard drive? I'm like, oh, yeah, totally. You could just download them from MediaZilla, put them on a hard drive, and hand them to somebody. Um, but, you know, if you're thinking, you know, Christmas is rolling around. If you're thinking about doing, like, a nice gift for people, we can do custom branded flash drives or custom flash drives with your name on them. And then you can give them out as gifts, like, around, put them in, like, people's stockings and say, we're all going to watch my video, and I gave every one of you a copy of it. Oh, that's an awesome idea. Yeah, so like, you know, here's the price for if you want a USB flash drive with a custom box and we go through Pexagon or, you know, photoflashdrive.com and we'll order them the boxes like that. Vanessa and I also take our top 10% of brides that spent money with us and we give them a nice wine box that's got our logos on it with custom wine glasses and coasters with their images on it. Um, and that's for mutual clients that have spent probably over $25,000 for both of us. Um, so we'll treat them to that. And so those brides tend to upgrade because you're showing, you know, you know, giving them ideas on how to upgrade. Some brides go, well, I don't know what I would upgrade to. Like, what would we possibly use this for? Give them ideas. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. If you shot it in 4k, say, look, I usually deliver in 1080. We shot in 4k, but I'm going to deliver in 1080, but I want to give you a, like a 4k version. That's going to blow your, blow your mind. Yeah. And you could offer them, you know, a 4K version in a, in a file on a flash drive. You know, little things like that. Um, but don't feel douchey about it as long as you're conversational about it. Um, you're not going to say, hey, we're going to set up a sales call where I'm going to talk to you about upgrades. Don't right. come at them like that. Your wedding was awesome. We have so much crap. I would love to talk to you. Let me, let me show you what we can do. Um, or, you know, just... You know, answer their questions and then kind of let the conversation go from there. But just be conversational about it. That's yeah. that that will help. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I think having the attitude of I want to educate my clients on what's possible mm -hmm. because you know they don't know this industry. They don't know what we can do. They don't know what other potential there is besides what they've already booked. And so just, you know, having a conversation that just gives them an education on what all we could do, you know, if the budget allowed for it, I think those are the conversations that I've had that have led to the most upsells um, because when I sort of talk to them about the potential of things, and for me, it is, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing some of these things different where I actually, I really enjoy the rehearsal dinner um, and I want to do that. And so like, that's one of the things that I try to upsell a lot um, is the, you know, there's so much more potential for some really amazing things to be said at the rehearsal dinner from people who wouldn't otherwise have a chance to speak at all and wouldn't really be a character in your wedding film at all. And so, you know, talking to them about things like that, that they never considered as a possibility has really it, it comes off as just, Oh, wow. He's, he's, he's guiding me through a process mm -hmm. of like understanding how my wedding film could be that much better um, sure. rather than trying to sell, sell me on something. And then we sort of had the conversation about what that could potentially be. And then, you know, then it's like, Oh, well, what, what would that cost? And so then it kind of, mm -hmm. you know, it just kind of goes back and forth like that, but it's yeah. much more of an education process and a conversation than, you know, 
all right, here's uh, here's my price list of the all the cart items that we can do. You know, put a check next to each one that you want. You know? Yeah, it's not like a car where you walk on the lot and you kind of have an idea of what you're looking for. Right. You know, a lot of times they know. I mean, before the wedding, they know they want videography. They don't want they want it captured, and then it's up to you to kind of show them your style and say, "Is this a style you like? Yep. Um, do you like what I do? Um, and then sell your personality so they don't feel like they're being you know under a microscope all day. Um, so. Yeah, just let your personality shine. Um, be personable. Don't. Um, I don't even show them the prices on the upgrades until they're serious about it. Yeah, I just give them like the the, the initial email that goes out after the wedding says, "Here, here's what we can do." Yep. Would you be interested? If they're not, if they just flat out say we're not interested, they're not looking at the prices would make that decision for them. Right. It, almost. So I, I I try I do avoid that. I just say, "Here are the options." Would you be? Do you want to hear more about these? Because I think it'd be really cool for you, um, yep. and they know it's sale. They know you're trying to sell. They're not dumb. Right. They're not. They're not thinking. Oh, Rob's going to do this for free. Sure. Um, but they they're more apt to say, you know, I'm curious because we love the experience with you so far. You know, yeah. Let's see what we can do. We've got some envelopes. You know, we got a little extra money. Maybe they just got back from vacation. Oh, that's the other thing. I always try to hit them. I try to time it. I find out when they're going on their honeymoon. And I don't send the email during the honeymoon. Emails that get sent during honeymoons never get looked at. Yeah. And and then when they get back, they go tick 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 tick. And if they're not even if it's not drastic or or like immediate, you get checked and you get marked as red. And they never. I always try to like send that email when they're back and then into the swing of life again. Mm. So it's it's a fine balance because you don't want to wait too long, but you also don't want to hit them too soon because then they'll just disregard it completely as like a you know. Is you get your gutters cleaned and then the guy leaves and two hours later you've got an email from Ned Stevens gutter cleaning. Hope you enjoyed the experience. We've cleaned your gutters. I don't read that email, you know. So just time out when you're, you know, make 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 use common sense of when you're going to send that email to them. Yeah, for sure. Um, talk to me about other revenue streams because I think this is really important. It's been really important for for my. Uh, for my business is finding other revenue streams um, outside of weddings. Talk to me about what you're doing in that. Wow. <clears throat> what I'm doing specifically, um, my start in this business was in broadcasting. Um, mm -hmm. I was in live TV, live radio for a long time um, before I even touched weddings. Probably, oh, well, counting college, probably seven years I was in the business. And I was in news and I was in production. And uh, I left because there's no money in it. At that time, we're talking the the barely digital days. We're talking analog. Right. Um, back in those days, where you know, you know, most of it was studio work, and any ENG was done analog. So, getting into weddings for me was a was a career maker, just because I was young and needed money, and it snowballed into something huge. And and you know, we've climbed the rope and rung the bell, and I'm done. You know, I love doing it. We'll continue to do it for as long as my body holds up, but I'm done. I've, I've, I think I've accomplished everything I've wanted to accomplish in this business. Um, what we're doing now is we've started a new corporation that's separate from Rob Adams Films that does live streaming, broadcasting events, conferences, and live webinars and educational content. So basically, um, we're producing live content in studio and on location. So we just did our first ever live broadcast um, of a conference this past weekend. Uh, we do it on RevShare, so the uh, you know we're we're not charging a flat fee to walk in to set up, and you know well we probably will later on. The way the pricing model works is we are coming out, we're setting it up, um, we're putting it behind our paywall, so the registration has to go behind our white label paywall. We brand it to whatever the conference is or whatever the client is, and then they promote. They do all the marketing, promotion, advertising, you know, and they get the registrants, and then we take a percentage of the rev of the revenue. Um, and that's our pay. So the broadcast, if it's successful, we make good. We do well. If it's not successful, we don't. We just try to, we aim to cover our costs. Right. Um, so there's a vested interest in doing a, a good broadcast and guiding them in the, in the promotion process and giving them ideas on how to promote and that sort of thing. Ideally, though, the clients that we're, we want to come to us are going to be clients that are well-established that have, you know, we're doing a live coloring party in this studio for a husband and wife who did like seven figures last year selling or making and selling adult coloring books and pencils. Wow. 
They're coming into our studio. We're going to do a live broadcast for free on Facebook Live because they do Facebook Lives on Wednesday nights from their kitchen at home and they get 30,000 people. It's insanity. Their audience is massive. So they're going to come in here and do a live. What's that? For adult coloring books. Adult coloring books. And the market is like, you know, age 55 and up, you know, uh, mostly women um, who are, you know, stay at home, you know, moms or they're retired or, or ill. Um, and, you know, it's a huge market. And they're going to come in here. We're going to do a live coloring party, multiple camera switch, live switch, very professional looking, and they're going to sell their new line of products. Um, so that sort of thing, podcasts, my podcast, um, my podcast is a light revenue stream, <laughs> meaning like it's meant to, it's meant for more of my own gratification than anything else. Like yeah. I, I don't have a huge following. I like doing it cause it's fun, yep. um, more than anything. And I, and, and I love your podcast cause you've really taken this very serious approach to like giving educational content and really, you know, series of, of that's cool, man. I'm more of like, let's just crack the mics and hang out. Yeah. Um, Which I really enjoy that too. It's been, yeah. Yeah. I can listen to all your old seasons and when you're just sitting around the table and cracking jokes and somebody walks in the door late and that was, that was really kind of fun. Just kind of this laid back. It felt like I was hanging out with you, you know? That's it. That's all we've ever wanted it to be. Cause I get people emailing me, oh dude, you know, like, you know, you need to put more content, more content. I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is what I want to do. I want to give you content too. And we do that. I do like little sure. tutorials here and there and I'll, I'll share some stuff, but for the most part, it's a hang. It, it right. always has been. And that's just what it is. And you know, MediaZilla, we're fortunate enough to have MediaZilla as a sponsor. They're fantastic. Um, you know, we're hoping to grow the audience obviously, but it really is more of just a, uh, come in, hang out, ask questions and it could be about anything and we'll just talk about it. Um, but that's a revenue stream. Um, so between those two things and then of course, educational content, which I am very serious about, but we're not doing using the podcast as a medium for that. If anything, the podcast will become a means to um, promote. Um, but I am building another website that's going to be online cinema education. And it's just basically what I did on creative live, but it's going to be uh, much more comprehensive. It's going to be in shorter bites and it's going to be available for sale. Um, so starting this summer, we're beginning production on that. We've been laying the groundwork by building the studio and, um, you know, and putting in place the marketing strategy and how we're going to go about that. But we're going to be producing a lot of content, uh, basically my entire process. I'm going to show everybody how I do awesome. things soup to nuts. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. Well, we are coming to a close. So, uh, I want to do a, we always, at the end of every show, we do a pick of the week. And, um, so... <clears throat> I forgot to remind you, so I don't know if That's you okay. Have I have one. Okay, I have perfect. One. Go yeah. for it. <laughs> uh, my pick of the week is um, the Jayun Crane. Oh, is that dude. how you say the Jayun Crane? Nobody knows how to say it, but we all know what you're talking about. Zayun Crane. I just discovered handheld gimbals because I, you know, I was using the I, – I was late to the party with the Ronin right. and, and the three. I was using Glidecam for, you know, while everybody was still gimbling or using, starting to use gimbals. So I came to that party late, and now I'm already like, get rid of this Ronin. Give me a handheld. I want something small. I'm yeah. traveling a lot this year. I need small. Yep. So uh, I just I started playing around with this thing and oh my God, this is this is it. This is it's this so is the good. thing. It's really, really good. So if you're looking to get into handheld gimbals, uh, uh, F stoppers just recently had a uh, 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 like a 20 minute video comparing like six different gimbals. Yep. What an excellent review and the Zion crane just destroyed. Yep. Um, so that that's my pick. Yeah, for sure. No, we um so I have two different companies, so we have like a lot of different random gear. But we started our first handheld gimbal was the Came TV single, I think, mm -hmm. and it was so annoying because you couldn't flip the screen out, <laughs> right? Which you know I'm using Lumix cameras, so you get to flip the screen out, but you couldn't flip it out because they had the bar on the, you know, on the screen side. So mm -hmm. just having that switch was like, oh, I can finally use my screen the way I want it, so I can hold the crane up high or down low or whatever. So. Yeah. The other one, the ICANN EC Beholder One or Beholder EC One, yep. I also tried that one out, and I know somebody who owns it. It's a, it's a, it's good, but it's not. I like it. It's it's very cool. Like it's got some cool features on it, but some of the right. things like it has the thumbstick controller is in the front. Uh, there's some some quirky things about it, but it's another good one. But it's more expensive than the Zion Crane, so you might as well just go with the Crane. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, and the Ronin Two is out now, but the thing's gigantic. Yeah, they're they actually. I saw something else that just came out. The movie. It's like a movie 
but it's got a five axis with this with the Sony A7S. Yeah, it's like the Movi it. Pro or something like that, yeah, right? Something nuts. But it's, but it's, it's also going to be like ten thousand dollars or something ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure it's going to be at least that because it's got See, the camera the thing, and the lens built into it and everything. And it's just it's bonkers. You know, I, you know, years ago I thought with weddings that we have to, you know, you had to spend a lot of money on gear to get a good result. It's not the case anymore. Yeah, you really don't. With the mirrorless cameras, you do not have to spend a lot. You don't. You know, like I had a full steady cam rig at one point. So ridiculous. You just don't need it. Yep. Um, so yeah, it's just so exciting. If you know, less than a thousand dollars, you can have an amazing piece of equipment that does amazing things. Yeah, absolutely. So in that same vein, I'm going to give my pick of the week. Um, so we just picked up uh, several more of these. This is the uh, Lumix G85. So I'm shooting on the GH5 as my primary camera and as soon as they come back in stock i'm going to get like three more of those um, what's the what's the msrp on those the gh5 the, G, the gh5 is two grand that's it yeah yeah which is unbelievable i want to talk to you on my podcast i want to talk about the gh5 at length awesome yeah i want we'll to really get into it yeah we'll definitely do that um but the g85 is really unbelievable and it comes so it's a it's a thousand bucks. It's a 4K camera with image stabilization, uh, a no record limit. Um, it does the dual IS, so you can have the image stabilization in the lens and the body at the same time. You know, uh, it's got microphone input. It's got weather sealing. It comes with the lens for a thousand bucks. What lens does it come with? It's it's not a great wedding lens. It's a kit uh, lens, but what does it come with? Lens, but it's a twelve to sixty, so micro four thirds terms is twenty four to one twenty. Uh, four three, five six. Three five to five six. Three five to five six. Okay. Um, but it's it's also weather sealed and it's optically stabilized, um, and so they actually sell this lens uh, alone by itself for I think four or five hundred bucks. Uh, so with the kit, it's a thousand. If you get it without the lens, it's uh, 900. So, you know, pay the extra hundred bucks and you got a lens that you can at least use for weddings on the wide end, 12 millimeter F, F35, you know. Um, but if you're outside, you know, you can use it as an all around lens. Um, wow. You know, 24 to 120. So that's great for, for ceremonies outside. Awesome for ceremonies outside. Mm -hmm. It's an amazing B cam. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, the footage, as long as you're not using the log profile in the GH5, you know, you're going to be able to make the footage match super easily. Um, so, yeah, we, because I have the two different companies um, and we have quite a few crews that can go out at once. Um, I think we have like, I can't remember now, it's like 16 or 18 cameras. Um, and so the G85 is an amazing bang for your buck camera, whether it's your A camera because you're just trying to get started on a budget or whether it's, you know, a B, C or D camera because it's a thousand bucks and it's 4K. Um, it's a really amazing option. So it's great. Very yeah, cool. Very cool. Be able to do amazing stuff for, for super cheap. Yeah. Listen, if you want to see more of Jordan, uh, check out my podcast too. Cause uh, you're coming on today live. Yes. I'm looking forward to it. So 3 PM Eastern standard time today, uh, Jordan will be on and we'll, we'll hang. It'll be more of a hang and we'll kind of shoot the crap, talk more about the GH five. And, uh, and, uh, I want to learn more about your business and what awesome. you're doing. Sounds yeah. great, man. Cool. Uh, real quick, where can people go to find out more about you? Uh, well, mainly, I mean, just if you want to see my work, robadamsfilms.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, robadamsfilms. Same thing with Instagram, Facebook. And then, of course, we have the Weeby Rolling Podcast every – well, actually, we're moving the time slot of the Weeby Rolling Podcast. Right now, it's uh, Tuesdays at 3 p.m. So by the time this airs, I think that episode will already be uh, done, and then we will be moving to Monday nights. Okay. We're moving. We did a little market research. We find that people in the evenings um, – Tend to tend to want to pop on the podcast for the industry a little bit later. So, what's your what's your normal time slot? We so you know obviously ours is not a live show, but we yeah. roll it out every Tuesday morning. Oh, every Tuesday. Okay, got it. You're it's putting it every Tuesday morning. Audio too, because right. for one thing, it doesn't matter when you listen to it. You know, it's right. kind of it's it's more on demand. Yeah. Um, I see. I love the live aspect. That's yeah. that's why the podcast is the way it is, and it's not so tutorial based because it yep. is live. Yep. Um, but you know, we we I think we're finding that most people want to tune in at night. So we're going to move it to Monday evenings. We haven't decided exactly what time yet, but I think by the end of the day today, by the by the time my podcast airs at three p.m. today, we'll know what time slot that's going to be, and then uh, we'll pass along the information. But yeah, it's the Weeby Rolling Podcast. You can find it at on YouTube, the Weeby Rolling Podcast, Facebook, the Weeby Rolling Podcast. 
Yep. And uh, we'd be rolling pot on Twitter. Yep. Which you definitely need to tune into because it's fun because I'm, I'm doing much more, like he said, much more educational. But if you want something that's just like pure entertainment value, but you're also going to learn some fun stuff, you definitely got to check it out on his Facebook. So yeah, come join the show. It's fun. We have interactive live chat. So you can, uh, you know, check in on the uh, YouTube or the Facebook chat. We monitor those during the show and we have guests on every week for the most nice. part, unless I'm traveling. Uh, so Jordan's going to be on today. Yeah, it's just it's just a fun time. It's just a good time. It's a one-hour show. Sometimes we run a little long. It just depends. Awesome. Well, very cool. Thanks again for coming on, man. This has been Always really, a pleasure. really helpful. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Right, take care. Take care. The Wedding Film Academy podcast is produced by Taylor Juarez. If you found this episode helpful, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show and help us out by leaving a five-star review on iTunes. And when you're done, head on over to WeddingFilmAcademy.org to chat with our other wedding filmmakers like yourself in the comments section. Until next time, keep making movie magic.